So I'd love to take the train to work. I take it to work probably three, four times a week. And there's a guy that I ride the train with from time to time who works at Suburban Station. And he told me, he said, there's some things going on down here I think you need to know about and you need to see. I decided to go with him and talk to some of the business owners. And what I got from the business owners was really just incredible. They tell me over the last two years, they've seen things take a turn for the worse. They've seen more homelessness. They've seen more drug use. They've seen more crime. And all of this is affecting their business and their bottom line. From KYW News Radio in Philadelphia, this is Scroll Down. I'm Tom Rickard. Today on the podcast. Um, last two years been like down here for you? Hell. We can't even open sometimes because they're all around our store. This is affecting us. No, they're scared. They Most of them are scared. They say it's unsafe. I, I've actually been stabbed, but I could, I don't know if you want to hear about that. Suburban Station, it's, it's interesting because so many people use it every day. You have folks coming from the suburbs like me. You have folks in the city. This is Justin. I'm Justin Udo. I'm a general assignment reporter here at KYW News Radio. And after that conversation on the train, instead of just getting off the train and taking the quickest path to the door, he started walking around, going into the stores, talking to people. Hanging out at Suburban Station. You can get jewelry out of there. You can get scarves, little eateries you can go to. You have your Dunkin' Donuts. You have your card shops. There's a lot to see and to do there. It's more than just your starting or stopping point for your ride. Right by City Hall, Center City. It's really a slice of Philly. Okay, your friend tells you, I got something that you might want to work on. What was your first stop? So I I started with the business owners. Yeah, my name is Chris. Chris Kim. And I'm the owner of Happy Jewelers. They're jewelers. Happy Jewelers that is the name of the shop. Um, and they, they sell everything from watches to uh, to bracelets. They also, I guess, take links out and fix chains and do different things along that line. And can you tell me, Chris, what's it like for you trying to conduct business down here? What are some of the issues and problems? I want to say she's been down there for the last 10 years. I've been here over 10 years. At Happy Jewelers, her and her husband. But I think the store has been around longer than that you know his actually family's been here over 40 close to 40 years she said it's yes it's bad for them in a way that um, i mean it's horrible as soon as we get in we have uh homeless and actually people around our so we can't even open sometimes because they're all around our store we have to actually put our jewelry out and they're staring they're smoking they're laying around some people are actually i see urine all over the place if you know no one's cleaning And it's very hard for us to conduct business, yes. The people congregate outside of her store. And she said there's urine on the floor. They're peeing on the floor. They're they're saying um, things to to people. They're performing outrageous acts. And that's taking away her business. I think we must have dropped maybe 30, 40%. She says she hopes that they're going to be able to, to hang around longer. We might not be in business for a while. Yes. And I'd like to talk to you as well about what you've experienced down here. Okay. This poor lady. We'll start. um, If you can, uh, once again, tell me your name and your business. I'm Monica Hadley. Monica Hadley. She's been down there, I want to say, for two years now. And this is my business, Details and Designs. It's a barber shop as well as a, uh, she's a hairdresser as well. I've been in Center City for 30 years. And this is the worst. This was going to be my final destination, I guess, in a sense it is. 
but you know, I I always wanted to be down here because I've been on the street in Center City, 13th and Walnut, 12th and Sansom, you know, in the area. But I always wanted to get down here because I saw so much potential here. I thought it was a beautiful space. I never in a million years would imagine the horror that I would have came into. This is where she wanted to be. She said she's been doing here for 30 years. She knew she could have this shop. And so she wanted this. And she knew the foot traffic that comes through Suburban Station every day. She said that's going to be amazing for barbers. If you need to get your hair cut, it take 10, 15 minutes. They can get their hair done. Or people, that are, women that are getting off of work or different things. She just knew it was just where she wanted to be. But she said it's been anything but. Um, the last two years been like down here for you? Hell. I'm, I'm sorry to say it, but it's like I don't want to come to work. I don't want to be here. This is my business. I pretty much lost everything myself, and I'm paying bills and rent for my barbers to work. I had to go to work at Kohl's. I work at Kohl's part-time now. I, I'm getting emotional because it hurts because I've built up so much. I've worked for so many other people. I finally got my own business, and, and I came down here, and I thought that this would be good. It's a good opportunity. You know, the guys are doing okay, but I've lost, I would say, 90% of my personal business. My customers don't come. She said because of the way the people are behaving, it scared off an overwhelming majority of her clientele. And a story that was really just amazing to me was a man whose hair she's been cutting, she told me, since she, he was a child. I had families that would bring their kids down here. I had a family sitting in the window one day, and the guy just felt like he wanted to masturbate right outside the window. I've never seen them again. I mean, this is someone who she's had a relationship with for 30 years. Probably the th- whole and 30 years I've been in business. And I haven't seen them. I haven't talked to them. If what's going on down there is, is strong enough to sever a 30-year relationship, just imagine what it can do for a customer that's only been coming for a week. I just recently saw a customer that stopped coming. Um, I've been doing her hair for about 10 years. And, you know, she was like, Mike, I just can't do it. And I'm like, I, I understand because if the if it was reversed, I wouldn't come down here. If I didn't have to come down here every day because this is mine, I would not come down here. The thing with um, with Kim and also with Monica is they both talk about health related issues because of what's going on. I can say this from personal experience. I've smelled some of the drugs that they had down there. Um, is that cigarettes or is it No, it's this weird thing. It's K2. And they, it's actually coming into my store. My husband, last week, two weeks ago, his eye was bloodshot. I mean, like his vessel popped. And this is the first time ever because we cannot take the smoking, the, this synthetic marijuana. I went with um, our photographer, Holly. Both of us felt delirious and dizzy. We were down there for five minutes. I told them, I said, I don't know how you can do this for eight hours a day, five, six, seven days a week. I'm getting sick. I have a doctor's appointment on Wednesday because I don't know what the, the, the residual effects of this K2 is, but I have never had so many upper respiratory infections. I don't know if you noticed when you was even in here doing these interviews, they were out there smoke. You can smell it in here. It comes in here first, and it's, it's affecting us all. They You walk through the hall in the morning. They smoke freely. They're out there. They're all surrounding the shops and everything. You hear them arguing and fighting, and it's just, it's ridiculous. It's its so hard for me to describe. I was walking up the steps um, a few weeks ago on a Saturday out of Suburban Station, and 
a guy was smoking that because I had smelled that same smell before. He was smoking it out of a can and blew. I kind of you ever walk into a cigarette smoker's right into there and you catch the. It caught me right in my face. I I couldn't breathe right for five blocks after uh, walking through that. It was just so I can't imagine how they have to do that um, on a continuing basis. So they're they're experiencing health problems, health issues because of this as well. If you could tell me your name. And, it's um, Butch Foley, B-U-T-C-H-F-O-L-E-Y. And can you tell me the name of your establishment? It's the Philadelphia Flower Market. And how long have you been down here? 36 years next month. Butch is uh, he's, he's a funny guy. He, he seems to really love his job. And I've stopped in his store before. I've gotten flowers. He was just always very jovial. And just even doing this story going back and the way he interacts with his customers talks, he, he loves his job. But um, he's one of those shop owners that's he's scared for for his health at times. He said he's been stabbed. I've actually been stabbed, but I could... I don't know if you want to hear about that. You've been but, stabbed out here? Yeah, by one of them, yes. Uh, about a year ago, uh, one of the guys selling the K2, and they also sell crack, and they sell marijuana, and you may get heroin down here now, too, if you like. What had happened was, where my store is, across the hall was a vacant store. Well, that was a great spot for them to go, and smoke their K2 and do their drug deals and things like that. So one Friday night, as I'm getting ready to close, they got one of the homeless guys all passed out down there, and they're all joking around. So I said to them, hey, you guys should move from there because they're bringing a big air conditioner out of that store in a minute, and they don't know you're standing here, and that door's going to hit you, and somebody's going to get hurt. Well, then they just started shouting all kinds of racial slurs at me. Um, So I went in, and I called SEPTA police, which is what we're supposed to do. The gentleman stood up. And I thought he was leaving, so I told the police, uh, never mind, he's leaving. What had happened is, is one of them came into my store, grabbed, if you see my store, as soon as you walk into it, we have a a very large rose display and and, uh, vases and things. So he picked one of those up and threw it at me and hit me in the face with it. Um, So I went at him to get him out of the store, and he stabbed me. Uh, He stabbed me uh, right under my rib cage. okay? I held him until the police got here. When the police got here, four policemen surrounded him. Two policemen came into my store and talked to me. As I'm talking to the police, I, I did hit the gentleman when I got him away from me, and I think his nose was bleeding. So when I look across the hall, they got all kinds of paper towels and all, they're taking care of the guy. As I'm talking to the two police officers in my store, I look up, and there goes the guy walking down the hall that stabbed me. So I said to the police, did you just let him go? And they said, yes. Did you want to press charges? The, the main thing with them, they're, they're like most of us. They're, they're going to work each day. They're trying to make a living for their family. Um, and they have obstacles and they have these hurdles. And they've seen and been a part of fights. Yeah, these, these guys dealing the drugs are extremely violent. And they've seen people smoking drugs and then accosting um, people that are walking by. They become zombies, and sometimes they just fall. It's a joke, the disrespect they have for the police. They will smoke K2 right in front of the police. They've had people yell at them, spit on them um, for asking them not to perform lewd acts. They out here, I'm shampooing the customer one day, and I'm standing at the shampoo bowl, and I look out my window. It's a couple having sex on the wall. People peeing. Um, just, I mean, just uh, 
where there's bathrooms everywhere, there's people peeing on the walls. People coming down here bringing their children to see the light show at Christmas, and they walk by one of these guys and he's urinating against one of the store windows. By their, by their stores, because who wants to walk into a flower shop if it smells like pee on the outside? What, what are flowers going to smell like? Or, or, so. Saturday and Sunday is horrific. You would never, feces on the wall. And you see a guy pull his pants down in the middle of the hallway and defecate. A man that was high having sex with the floor. I'm out there sweeping because we don't have a cleaner crew on Saturday. I'm sweeping the hallway and I turn to look and it's a man having sex with the floor. The floor, could you imagine? I, I, was in so, I was so shocked. I came in here, I was shaking. I never imagined anything like that. And he cursed me out. I'm like, I'm sweeping. I, I didn't come here to look at you. You know, who knew you was over here having sex with the floor? Properties are getting damaged. I see everyone's windows are getting busted, broken into. Uh, every night, every weekend we come in, someone else, uh, someone's window's broken, someone's door's broken. They've seen a lot of a lot of different things down there. They're scared right now, um, and, and they feel like they've reached out um, to the city, and they've reached out to, to the people that they should have, and they feel like that no one is listening to them. We re- I have relayed all of these stories to the mayor's office, to the district attorney's office, to the SEPTA office. How many meetings did we have? I can't even tell you where we would get together with people from the city, et cetera, et cetera. And they do nothing. The only thing I ever heard from the mayor was at a chamber of commerce meeting telling everybody what a great job he's doing with the homeless down here. You know, and I went to the mayor's office. I wrote a letter. I wrote a letter last year. I wrote another letter this year. And I still don't have anything positive to say other than I appreciate the Philadelphia police for coming in here and at least checking on us. They come in every day, all day long, and check on us. And we had them go to the other businesses because we care about them, too. You know, and my thing is when I went to the mayor's office, they didn't even let me in to see him. So I spoke to one of his representatives. I can't recall her name. It's a female. But she pretty much told me that they're not going to do anything. She told me her advice to me was to flood social media with what was going on and to have a reporter like yourself come down and just, you know, sit in here and watch what was going on. And at the time, I'm like, okay, well, maybe we can do that. But as I thought about it, I'm like, flood social media, you're going to kill the rest of my business because that's the main source of advertisement now. You know what I'm saying? All right. When we come back, we'll talk about what the store owners think is behind everything that's happening at Suburban Station. And the other side of the story. Stay with us. When we're out of time to give you the backstory, there's Scroll Down, the new podcast from KYW. Quality pre-K programs, not just ones that provide daycare. Cases is three years old now, but we have not forgotten. And at the very end, I gave her a hug. I was in tears, and she whispered in my ear, everything I told you, it was a thousand times worse. What you didn't hear on air from the KYW team ready to tell all. Search Scroll Down on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. According to these store owners, has it has it always been like this? What happened or who is responsible for all this behavior? Well, they say there's always been, um, since all of them have been there, there's always been homeless people that have been there. Um, and they, all three store owners reiterated, their problem is not with the homeless people. 
Well, it used to be that there were homeless down here, and that was always the case, but it was just homeless, and there were mm, not as many of them. And uh, they were fine. They didn't cause any problems with their stores or anything. They mostly had mental issues, and they were allowed to walk around down here, and that's what they did, and they were respectful to us, and we were respectful to them. What's happening down here now is, is it's, we don't have more homeless. We have more drug dealers. We have, I call them derelicts. And what they're doing is, is they're taking advantage of the homeless down here. Butch told me he was able to, you know, give a guy a few bucks to wipe his windows down or vacuum the floor to, to pick up uh, flower petals or things that have fallen. But he said when the Hubble Folk came around in 2012, things were still fine as it was a storefront. But when it expanded um, and it opened its doors for people to be able to come in and shower and people to be able to come in and eat, and it became a more welcoming and inviting place. What they're all saying is over the last year, it's invited more than just the homeless there. It's invited people that are um, selling and using drugs, people that are using the hub of hope, not for its intended purposes. So all the shopkeepers say the thing that made their situation worse in Suburban Station is the hub of hope. Yes. What is the hub of hope? It's a homeless resource center. They, Knowing that a lot of homeless people congregate in Suburban Station, that's why the Hub of Hope was put there. And when the city and, um, and Project Home, and they got together as a collaborative effort with them and SEPTA, they said, you know what? We do have a lot of homeless people down here. Let's figure out a way to help them. What can we do? We have this space here. The Hub is doing this. They're providing these resources. Let's take it a step further. Let's make sure these people can, can get a shower. These people can get a meal. Because they're going to be here anyways, so let's do this for them. So it was really the city, Mayor Kenny, taking that initiative and looking to to, to better the lives of some of Philadelphia's um, most worst-off citizens. They opened up the Hub of Hope back here, which I'm sure you're aware of. And the homeless, the idea was the homeless could get in the air, get a meal, get a shower, get some clean clothes. This weekend, I was in Arizona and saw on social media that they did this little special article about the hub being so great and how it's helping them. And I told, just like I told the lady at um, the mayor's office, I don't think that the hub is a bad thing. Don't get me wrong. I think that it's an excellent thing, but it does not belong down here. What the police are telling me is that nine out of the ten people going into the hub, hub of hope are drug dealers. Um, so what they'll do is they'll come down here because the true homeless can get five, ten, twenty dollars in an hour down here because this is the spot I think where most people come into the city. There's the L's, the, all the suburban trains. You do not put a place like that down here. And I asked them if they could possibly invite us to the meetings, invite the business owners. This is affecting us. So maybe we can all come to an agreement on what needs to be done. What it is is these homeless can then get themselves up to $20 in an hour, and these derelicts that are down here sell them the K2. What do you think happens when they're not open? Where do you think they go? They go out here, and they beg, and they terrorize our customers and stuff. You know what I'm saying? Like he said, they're down here. They're homeless. They're getting high and stuff. Now, you... You put mental health, drugs, and alcohol together, and what do you think you're going to get? 
So you talk to the store owners. They say this all happened because the hub of hope expanded. What did you do next? Hi, Justin. Thanks for your patience, okay? I talked to Sister Mary Scullion. My name is Sister Mary Scullion, and I'm the executive director of Project Home. Project Home has done work in Philadelphia for years, helping homeless people with a place to stay, getting a job, getting people clean, just really doing salt-of-the-earth work for people that really need it. So this is the perfect initiative for an organization like Project Home. So Project Home for the past uh, seven years has had the hub of hope at Suburban Station. For the first six years, it was just a winter storefront where we were able to engage men and women in the train station, connect them to services, shelter, housing, In the past year, in partnership with the City of Philadelphia and with SEPTA, we opened a year-round hub of hope, much larger than a storefront, so that we could provide medical care, social services, showers, and the ability for people to wash and dry their clothes and get other kinds of needed services. Sister Mary, I think she's been recognized um, all over the world for her work. If I'm not mistaken, I think she even met... Pope Francis, when he came into town and he talked to her. Uh, An incredible moment. In fact, Francis got off of the Pope Mobile, came here to the Nadad Grotto, and hugged Sister Mary. What an experience that was. It just is just a profound sense of joy and gratitude to know that Pope Francis took the time to come to the grotto and to bless all these knots and struggles and prayers of so many people from all walks of life. That's her calling is to is to help people in these desperate in dire situations. So um, she's been doing this work. She's not new to the game. She knows um, different things that go on and, and how, how people act and, and what they need. And so um, she's very attuned to that. Sister Mary, she, she told me that... Um, we share the merchants and the uh, customers' concern about the increasing amount of drug activity. She says they, they are doing their best to help these people and at the same time making sure ones that are trying to take advantage and prey on these people. Sister Mary says they, they're doing their best to, to keep those folks out. We communicate with the police and with SEPTA probably every single day walking with the police or walking with the SEPTA transit to find people that they see that we may not see, offering services to, to those who need it and placing people into shelter or housing outside of the train station. She told me they don't believe that a lot of these people causing trouble are using the hub of hope. She says that the people that were arrested, there's been three people arrested this year. For drug dealers down in the um, in that area, none of whom had anything to do or ever came to the hub of hope. She's confident that, um, that the people they're taking care of are the right ones and not the ones that the store owners are um, complaining about. It's hard for people to differentiate between the increasing amount of drug activity and people that are actually um, experiencing homelessness. So we have noticed at the train station there is a serious problem with, with drug activity, and we share people's concerns. It's not our perception that the Hub of Hope contributes to that. It's actually our perception that the Hub of Hope 
provides a safe place for people that are actually homeless to come and get the services they need and hopefully get placed out of Suburban Station instead of living in Suburban Station. So with the store owners, they're pointing the blame at the Hub of Hope. They're saying that that as well as SEPTA um, not doing enough in the city, not doing enough. That's where the blame lies. On the other side, we have the city SEPTA and the Hub of Hope saying these things happen. We're combating them, but the blame does not lie with the Hub of Hope. First, real quick, a primer on SEPTA if someone has no idea what that word means. So SEPTA is Southeast Pennsylvania Transportation Authority, the public transportation that runs through the city and through the southeast region of Pennsylvania. Yeah, so I went down to, uh, I think it's 12th and Market, to SEPTA's headquarters. So Chief, we'll start it. Went up to Chief Nestel's office. Yep, Thomas Nestel. I'm the Chief of uh, Transit Police. We sat down, we sat down for about 20 minutes, and we talked about what SEPTA's duties are down there, their obligations and responsibilities for the store owners, their obligations and responsibilities to the Hub of Hope, and what they're doing to make sure that this train station is as safe and runs as smoothly as possible for everyone that's using it. When you talk to them about the store owners' concerns, they were pretty emphatic that all of this started escalating when the Hub of Hope expanded. What did he have to say about that? There has not been an increase in reported crime. Crime-wise, reported crime, there's very little difference from last year at the same time. Uh, what What we do is we make sure we have more officers in the area. And interestingly, that sort of creates a problem for us because when folks walk through and they see a police officer standing somewhere and then they see folks that they consider homeless standing nearby, um, they're perturbed because the officer is not addressing the fact that homeless people are just loitering. Uh, Homeless people are legally permitted to loiter along with any other people that that are wanting to, to stand in a public area. A lot of the business owners I spoke to, um, they say since um, since the Hubble Pope has been there, it's attracted people that are selling and using drugs, not just homeless, to um, kind of blend in and cause uh, more of a problem for them. Have you all seen anything like that? And if so, how are you addressing that? Yeah, I've I've heard complaints about that. Uh, so what we've done is put undercover officers down in the in the station, and I can tell you that um, we've made uh, three arrests in 2019 after many deployments of undercover officers so that that perception that this is a an area where lots of drug sales are occurring just doesn't seem to to be true we've made arrests of people for for marijuana k2 but again it's it's not this widespread observation that that even undercover officers are not seeing so i absolutely positively Um, argue with the fact that the hub of hope is the problem the hub of hope is the solution the only way that that we can have a long-term effect on helping people who are addicted mentally ill or poor is exposing them to social services and you don't expose them by saying hey social services are at broad and snyder why don't you go down there and see them you bring social services to the people that need it and the people that need it are in Suburban Station. This is a successful strategy 
they're having a positive effect and and to point the finger at the hub of hope and say that's part of the problem is just not fair and what about the business owners that say people um, are scared to now come into their stores and they've lost 50 60 90 percent of their business i talked to one woman who does hair she said she's done hair for the last 30 years at different places in the city and really wanted to be in suburban station and said now she's lost 90% of her customers where she was doing 25 heads a week. She's only doing six now. Yeah, listen, I don't have any reason to to disbelieve that information. Um, But uh, I can tell you that crime is not, reported crime is not up in the station. Um, Look, I I don't know what to say about that. One of the things they were, were saying was they believe it has a good mission, but putting it down in Suburban Station is really just inviting more people to come. And they say with the closure of encampments in, um, in Kensington, that's also bringing more drug usage down there as well. Have you seen an influx in that? No. I, I'm telling you, we put undercover officers who you wouldn't know wandering through the station looking for this kind of activity that the store owners claim is occurring. We're not seeing it. You know, in three months of undercover operations down there, we've made three arrests. Um, the, the, the evidence just doesn't support that claim. I mean, the, the frustrating thing for, for the police officers is that the public thinks that, that somebody who is homeless or poor or dressed differently, dirty, should be thrown out of the station. We can't legally do that, and we're not going to do that. You, you know, uh, everybody has constitutional rights. Um, we're going to abide by those constitutional rights, but at the same time, we're going to try to get help for people who don't even realize they need help. Uh, and we're going to do that through social services. So, you know, the store owners are seriously up in arms over this. Mm-hmm. And Chief Nestel says, I don't know what you want me to do. We, we've sent guys down there. They, they can't find activities like the ones that the store owners are describing what's the well there i've i've seen a few things too because all of these stores as i told you happy jewelers even more so than the other ones is a little off the beaten path so when you come out of suburban station when you come off of a train you walk up steps and that takes you into the main concourse it used to be benches all over the place so anyone could be there you would see a lot of homeless people there sitting on these benches now they have them kind of quartered off where you can only sit on these benches in the paid area. So I think it's kind of pushed them out to find other recesses throughout the station. And I don't want to say out of sight, out of mind, but that may be something that's going on there. Did he have any advice for store owners? They've given them uh, workshops on what they can do. They've given them the numbers that they need to text. They said they've tried to work with these owners and work with the people down there to make sure that everyone has a resource um, available to them to get a hold of police. But that does help, That and all of them say that that, that can help. But as I, I talked to you about with the, the family that saw the man performing the loot act there, you can call the police. They can remove him. But what's done is done. When people see something like that, even though that may not be a major crime, or you see someone – someone urinating down there. It might not be a a major crime, but it's something you don't want to put yourself around again. So even if you are able to remove that person, why would I stay? Might just be easier to find a different flower shop. Exactly. Exactly. I can go right up on JFK and get my flowers above ground and I know no one's going to be there. Like, why wouldn't I do that? All right, last one. 
The owners also felt some kind of way at the city, the mayor. How did you address their concerns to the city? So Eva Gladstein, the deputy managing director for health and human services for the city of Philadelphia, went down to her office and it's right off of, uh, it's right across from City Hall. They work with the Hub of Hope. They work with um, SEPTA and they, any complaints that the city needs to hear, they go to them to see just what they can do about it. So did, did you bring their concerns to uh, Eva Gladstein? I did. And um, she said she's reached out to the to the shop owner. She says they've had meetings. They have talked to them. They've talked to every single one of those store owners that I talked to. Well, based upon this, we'll reach back out to the city commerce department. Um, but they have met with those three businesses multiple times. There's also a group that helps uh, Metro Market, which manages the businesses down there, that, that works to support them as well. Certainly they have the right to contact you or other people to express their concerns and and I'm sure their concerns you know they're witnessing what they're witnessing and I can understand it's very uncomfortable for them and and they might feel it's a detriment to their business but there's been a fair amount of communication with them in the past and we'll continue to do that. What did she say about their concerns? She said that they've they've taken different steps. Well, we've been probably for well over two years working to um, address conditions at Suburban Station. We've been actively working with SEPTA police and Philadelphia police around various security measures, cameras, lighting, also Wi-Fi access, a lot of training, including meetings with business owners probably well over a year ago now around um, what services exist and who to call for what, because sometimes people are confused. What, a, what is SEPTA's responsibility? What is the police department's responsibility? The concourse is a little bit complicated. The space is controlled by a number of different entities um, because a lot of the spaces in the concourse are actually controlled by the um, owner of the building above. So um, trying to coordinate with all the building owners around improvements has also been something that everybody's been working on together. Talking to a lot of the business owners, they say it's been within the last two years since the Hub of Hope has come that a lot of uh, people that are drug users or drug dealers blending in with um, the people, the homeless people that really do need the Hub of Hope. Is anything being done to, to combat that, to try to weed those people out? So they're not done sure. So again, we've had active cooperation um, with um, Project Home, which operates the Hub of Hope, which is funded by the city, the operations, as well as our Philadelphia Police Department and SEPTA Police. So Hub of Hope has been able to identify people who are trying to use their services, who were actually more predators. Police and SEPTA police have been working on the narcotics trade, which existed before the Hub of Hope and um, continues to exist. One thing I want to mention is that a lot of this is seasonal. So there's more activity underground during cold weather and then more activity above ground during warmer weather. We certainly understand that the situation varies season to season, but... um, you know, you won't see them, but there's cameras, there's surveillance going on, and police will continue to be working on that. So over this two-year period of time, um, have you noticed things getting better, things getting worse? Um, and what are, what are you all, what are you all um, where are you all at right now? We've been pairing, um, our, increasing our outreach teams and pairing them more and coordinating better with SEPTA police. So as the outreach teams have and develop relationships with people down there who truly do need services, we're able to connect them either to a temporary shelter and, and in some cases to permanent housing. Um, secondly, the mayor's budget has continued to increase resources, not just for outreach, but at the end of the day for housing, because people do need a place to go. And so we've done a number of placements 
both into shelter and into long-term housing. I think as we continue to expand those services and the police continue to do their jobs in terms of the narcotics trade or other illegal activity, there'll be less of a, a draw for people who are, who are there to break the law and prey upon people who may be homeless or vulnerable. One of the things that the Soreners said about Hub of Hope, it's a good thing, but they don't want it there. What did Eva say when you brought that to her? She said two things. The first being that the Hub of Hope is there. That's where it needs to be. Well, I think even the business owners are recognizing that the Hub of Hope has been helpful for people who they were concerned about before, and those are people who are truly homeless and need daytime support. So so now their concern is focused on the illegal activity. And again, I'm hoping that with the steps we're taking, it will improve over time. That's taking a resource right to the heart of the people who need it the most, one. But she said she did understand um, some of the concerns from the business owners with there being the, the people there, a lot of people there. So one thing that they're doing. We are working on similar other daytime engagement centers, resources in West Philly. We've created resources up in Kensington as well. And we're looking at several other potential sites in Center City. The thought behind this would be to ease the burden and the load and the amount of people that are using the Hub of Hope. None of these are, are easy to cite. People, you know, have attitudes. is can be a NIMBY issue. Um, you need to have a place that's, that's accessible, you know, and that's well designed. So we certainly agree there need to be multiple places citywide. We have more than the Hub of Hope right now. In raising funds for the Hub of Hope, we've actually raised money for other sites in Center City to add showers and laundry facilities. We've been increasing the number of people who want to help folks get meals to bring them from outdoors inside into some of these sites, and we'll continue to work on more daytime engagement. So after listening to everyone make their argument here, Sister Mary says the Hub of Hope is is a, a safe place, an, an oasis away from the drug activity that happens in Suburban Station. The store owners say the drugs followed the Hub of Hope's expansion. The SEPTA police chief says crime is about the same down there last year to this year. The city says the Hub is doing good work. It seems to me like there's a whole nother question there. There's a bigger question, which is what is Suburban Station? To the store owners, Suburban Station is a place of business. And they probably expect people to behave like you would at a mall. To Sister Mary, uh, Suburban Station is a safe place for the vulnerable people that she looks after. And to step to police, it's, I mean, it's, it's a train station where the police are trying to look out for people who are commuting. Thousands of people are commuting every day. What, what do you think about that? What do you think Suburban Station is? Suburban Station is exactly what it looks to be. How you see these trains coming and going and people coming and going, thousands of people every day. It's an intersection of life. There's people in all walks, in all phases of their life, going through Suburban Station, and it's Philadelphia. Justin, where can people follow what you're up to, follow your reporting online? I'm at Justin Udo on Twitter. I think it's just Justin Udo on Facebook, but my Twitter is where I'm usually more active. I try to have a balance of all of my stories that I'm working on. I try to retweet other reporters' stories, um, and also sometimes put out a 
family pics and, and pics when I'm taking holiday. Justin, thanks so much for coming on Scroll Down. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me, Tom. Justin did a four-part radio series on Suburban Station. It's at kywnewsradio.com. And I'll put a link in the show notes to the article. Follow Justin on Twitter at Justin Udo. Follow me at T-E-E Rick. And follow the show at Scroll Down Pod. If you really want to help us out, leave a rating and a review on iTunes. I'm Tom Rickert. Thanks for listening to Scroll Down. I'll talk to you again next time.